You are listening to a special episode of the Bondzilla Podcast. This week, we take a deep dive into everything James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. Hello, everybody. And welcome uh, to another deep dive here at the Bondzilla podcast. Of course, I am Nick. And, of course, I'm Will. And uh, it is time for another Bond edition uh, of a deep dive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's, uh, it's it's looking good. We just got off of a Bond movie, which I liked. Yeah. So that was nice. That was nice. So last yeah. time in Bond news, we had that going on. Yeah. Um, and so then we, we, re- we also essentially finished our Bond uh, timeline that's of, true of, of bo- actual bond movies yeah yeah you know, we really haven't talked about book bond we're yeah. gonna get a little bit into that today but we will one of these deep dives uh sometime in the future um will be more delving into the the source material yeah. and how that kind of differs and, and sort of you know uh, how we kind of can look at it from a modern perspective then there's the bond teleplay that uh that we ha- that we're that where we have to talk about. I mean, technically, about. there is a Bond teleplay. Yeah, because that's the. Oh no, I was talking about the teleplay you and I were going to do. Mm-hmm. We were going to workshop a yeah. teleplay, and okay. then we were going to talk about the making of said teleplay. Yeah, uh, and then we were going to go into the deep dive about how said teleplay has impacted the uh, the not only the franchise, but I would say film at large. It may be the only teleplay that has affected film, other than maybe the day mm-hmm. the Earth stood still. It was actually not no not the day the Earth stood still. What's the what's the one? The day after? No no <laughs> no the the aliens and everybody thought it was real and oh, uh, War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds, yeah. So like yeah, well that affected cinema because they made a movie out of it. And yes, it's also based on a H.G. Wells book, right? And this teleplay would be based off of a uh, Bond book. In some in some way, I don't know what you're talking about anymore. Yeah, well, yeah, of course you don't. We haven't done the teleplay yet, so I can understand you and possibly the audience's confusion. But anyway, I know everybody's waiting bated breath for that. But you're gonna have to wait because we have uh, an episode. And you know, just Nick is a little bit slow in the upkeep. Just send me DMs about the teleplay. Um, I shouldn't have engaged. I, uh, I shouldn't have. You're engaged. I'm not engaged. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. No, you are engaged. You're married to your work. This. You work too hard, Nick. <laughs> I could just leave right now. Yeah, you could. You could. How are you going to leave me? You going to leave me with a podcast? Are you going to play are you going to pay support? Going to leave me alone with a podcast in the <laughs> Where are you going to go, Nick? Where are you going to go? What are you going to go back <laughs> back to the drink? <laughs> Are you done? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. So uh, James Bond. Yeah, but we will deep dive on the teleplay. The original point. Yeah. We are going to get into the Bond books at yeah. some point, and we will talk about it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit today. Do you want to discuss it as we get into our deep dive subject of this episode? So last deep dives, we we went a little bit into the future uh, and talked about like what is the future, future. of Bond. But part of these deep dives, what we want to do with them is also a reflection on, uh, you know, the, what we've seen in, in the the entire history of this 
these franchises yeah. and kind of how things have evolved in, in the major elements. Reflection. Of. It's like Mulan style, except like it's uh, Connery and like yellow face. And he goes and he sings the song, except he's wiping away his uh, yellow face as he's singing the song Reflection. Yes, at one that, that it happened at one point. Yeah. We don't like to forget, but we shouldn't because we need to know the past. Yeah. We oh, I all the mistakes. Yeah, I. The but clearly, made. I had no issue bringing that up. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, man, it's part of the franchise. It is. Just how in our last Bond deep dive, when we were talking about many of the, which is actually a good segue into what we'll be talking about a little bit. But I had brought up uh, Goldfinger. Yeah. Which has uh, an arguably uh, unsavory moment, a it, dated not, moment. It's, as a, it's not arguably. It, yeah. It is, well, I guess certain people would argue it. It's fine, but really I know I never I I never argued it was fine. It, it's just it's no, 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 it's no, a weird no, no, it's a no, no. weird I'm, I'm not saying, dated I'm not moment. I'm not saying you. I'm yeah, saying yeah. certain other people. Would sure. Say so, but I guess it could technically be arguable, but it's really not arguable in that it's a not. It's fine weird. It, it's weird. It's definitely not good. But anyway, the point I was trying to make is that I brought it up because you know it would be unwise of us to just pretend of that course, none yeah. of that stuff yes no exists. That, that is the truth it's and uh, you, you need to know that the, the and and, and as i talk about uh weird uh dated uh elements of the bond franchise i think that that easily segues into our deep dive of the uh the of, of this of this bond so yes we are gonna our deep dive today is focused on on the bond girls yeah. uh as it were um is what they are called a bond girl uh, now I, I, I wanted the deep. I want. I just go to why I wanted the deep dive into this, and why I wanted to do it so early is that I think this is a subject uh, I've thought about a lot about, especially in my own writing. I have grown more. Um, most of my writing has transitioned into being about female characters, and I think that one of the things we need to note is when we're doing these deep dives and these reflections as a part of the podcast is that we're looking at the iconic elements of Bond mm-hmm. and. It really is not an overstatement to say that it's just as iconic of an element as Bond is are the girls. And it's nothing no no more proof of that than my Bond 50 Blu-ray set where you have these like little two booklet things that have all the discs inside and how are the films labeled not just by their title but by the Bond girl that was in that movie. That's how the movies are sure, ident- identified. Sure. And- I would say it is probably Arguably, I would argue is probably the most recognizable kind of like entry specific aspect of every movie. Yes. Like, who was the Bond girl? Right, you in have that, Bond, you yeah. have the Bond girl. Yeah. You know, and and most of the movies have had Bond girls, um, if not all of them, technically speaking. And uh, you know, so many of them have been iconic and memorable, and in, in for good or for bad. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to kind of take really a look at- so many of them. Yes, so many of them are just just. Crawl into your brain and never really. <laughs> well, just I, there, there are elements of certain girls that are. You know, we'll get to it. We'll get memorable. to it. Here's my question getting into this because my idea for this episode was I just wanted to come up with silly Bond girl names, but you actually wanted to do your job and come up with like a better, uh, yeah. you know, better thing. So no, no tits aplenty in this episode. Uh, that's got to be a name somewhere, right? Is that in like, that's got to be in a spoof somewhere. It's like a porn thing, probably. Yeah. 
No, but there's got to be a Bond sp- parody where the girl's name is Tits Plenty. I mean, come on. How can it not be? I mean, probably, like... First I mean, of all, don't give me... Don't I'm roll gonna... your eyes at me. There, One of these characters' name is Pussy Galore, and you're telling me that Tits Plenty is crossing well, the line. Well, yeah, but I'm like... <laughs> it's like, what could it be? It's not in Austin Powers. Right. So, like, That's why I'm asking. That's no, why I asked Austin the question. Austin Powers had Fook You and Fook Me. Yeah, but it. who was the first... Oh, a lot of vagina. That was the that was the one in the first one. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but there was, was there one in the second one? Uh, well, I mean, Foxy Cleopatra's in the third one. No, but what was what was Heather Graham's name in the second one? I, was, I thought she had one. She does have one. I'm gonna look it up. Oh, 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 no, no, no! I'm thinking of Gwyneth Paltrow in the third one was Dixie Normus. That was one. Yeah. Uh, the cast. But anyway, uh, it's, uh, she's Felicity Shagwell. Yeah. Okay. That's that one's that's very fine. Austin Powers yeah. specific. But you know, anyway. But to bring this back into subject, that is it is funny because that is one of those things as we talk about the legacy of these characters. When you go back and look at the names, in much in the same way that I brought up Goldfinger as the movie that basically is the source and the fuel for everything yeah. that is parodied off of Bond. The whole kind of pussy galore naming convention is something that's not as prevalent in the franchise as I think it's, it it's, is normally thought of. Yes, and I, I think there's a lot of different aspects of, of Bond girls that are, that are like that, I think. Um, but I think the name, you're right. Because a lot of them have that, they do have that punny name. Yeah, there's certainly some. There's um, like, there's that, but, there's Octopussy. Uh, do, do I have another one? Yeah. In here, um, uh, Mary Goodnight's kind of one, but what, what's there's there? Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting another one, but there there's at least one other one. Um, oh, well, Plenty O'Toole. Which Plenty O'Toole, is, which yeah. is kind of one. Uh, yeah. Doctor Goodhead. Yeah, is, Holly Goodhead. yeah, Holly Goodhead. But okay, but here's how I want to start this because I think this will set the stage for how we talk about yeah. this. How exactly are we defining the Bond girl? Well, that's always been kind of an interesting debate within even the fandom itself because there is that element of the fandom that's like anybody who is a girl in one of these movies that gets with bond is a bond girl and you know that can be a little bit dicey in terms of of that aspect yeah because i was looking at a list and they listed every Everybody, girl yes. and like there even as soon as remember like the girl that he's sleeping with on the island and he has the Heineken in his hand yeah. in um in a uh, Skyfall. Yeah, like they the, they listed her, yeah. and it was just like girl who Bond beds on island. Yeah, so really, <laughs> so I was like, like, she's not a Bond girl. In terms girl. of the classic definition of a Bond girl, uh-huh. it's basically a girl who yes gets together with Bond in some fashion, mm-hmm. usually sexually, um, but not like not everyone that it could you could define this is at least. Sometimes it's implied, sometimes it's explicitly shown. Sure, sure, sure. It, you know, usually sexually gotten with that has a major role within sort of the course of the plot, because there are sometimes there are Bond girls that are like the main Bond girl. Like you have your, right. You know, you have your Tatianas, you have your, you know, Angel Triple X's, you have your, you know, Doctor Holly Goodheads, but you also have like. You know the the Brazilian agent he gets with in Brazil and Moonraker, and then mm-hmm. you know Jaws dances with. Or right. you also have like Jill Masterson, who's who's the girl who gets golded. Yeah, you know she's considered a Bond girl because she plays. Like, or Strawberry Fields, who gets oiled. Yes, exactly. Yeah, They're uh-huh. all like considered Bond girls. Uh, so that's like kind of the base definition, and then you do have kind of the divisions of what type of Bond girl are they? Mm-hmm. There's like you know the the bad the bad girl Bond girls, like the femme fatale Bond girls, who are 
you know, agents that go against Bond, um, you know, kind of the villainous Bond girls. You have the civilian Bond girls who are not, you know, are kind of get swept up from just living a normal life into the spy world. Mm-hmm. You have like, you know, fellow a- agents and allies. Sure. But what do you, what do you consider? Like if you I, had to think of like what you would consider are like the Bond girls. I would consider anything equal or less to basically the main girls in Goldfinger. Like anything other like that equal like kind of the Jill Masterson mm-hmm. and Pussy Galore in that aspect, I think. So would you girls. say the one that follows the plot as essentially a co-lead? Yes, yes. I would say that's be the main Bond girl, but I also think you can include people like yeah. Strawberry Fields and Jill Masterson as Bond girls. But I also think that stuff like the, again, that Brazilian agent being in Moonraker mm-hmm. is like kind of right on the edge, but right. probably not because, you know, she's not really a character. She's just there to kind of move certain things in the plot along. Mm-hmm. But I do think that like, it's important to note that, you know, you can be why, but there is usually, I find it that especially in those old school bonds, you know, kind of everything pre Dalton, there's usually one main bond girl and then kind of a secondary bond girl. That's usually the one who dies or, you know, mm-hmm. one who, kind of helps him for like you know a portion of the movie right so usually that's kind of how i define it because like there is i mean we talked about too there is really a distinct thing that happens like between more leaving and dalton arriving in terms of how they kind of switch how the bond girl element operates in, Mm -hmm. in some ways um with some exceptions but basically like dalton and brosnan into uh craig mm-hmm uh, they kind of switch that is really usually only the main Bond girl in those movies that Bond isn't really sleeping around as much right. as he used to. But like in those early grounds, you usually have kind of two Bond girls a movie essentially well, the main one and then like well, again one who would die. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, or like the villain one, or you know the 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 kind of she's there for two scenes and like helping Bond. So the old adage that I was always familiar with from Bond fans is that they would always say like, all right, there was the, like the crude way that they put it is the one who dies and the one who makes it at the end to the end of the movie. Uh, So you could arguably say, I'll put it this way. You have the expendable one, which is, could be the one that dies or could be the one who's like, only in like the a portion, fir- of, a portion the of the film, but then you have the one that's essentially the co-lead and who finally gets that uh, right. sweet bondy by the end of yeah. the uh, by the end of the film. Uh, so, but so that's so that is that makes sense. Um, now, would you still categorize like? And I may be jumping ahead a little bit, but I just want to get the definitions out of the way. Yeah. Would you categorize the the jinxes to be Bond girls? Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Like I like it, within Die Another Day, it's like Miranda Frost and you know, right. they're both Bond right. girls. And that's a unique example because one ends up being a villain and the other one and that's you're right, right. in that era when they were given like the Bond girls a little bit more to do. Mm-hmm. So it was more of like an action two-hander as right. opposed to just like because like and I think the biggest thing about the Bond girls, and I think this is where we we will get into it, is that a lot of it in the legacy of it is defined by how much they actually have to do, in my mind, of how much do they actually do in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, you know, the value, the value of them being there or not being there or what have you. It is interesting to see that the Bond girl is such a iconic part of it yeah. to the point that when you look at the movies like you know kind of like 
the icons. Like if you were to look at like and the I, the like, Marvel movies, it would yeah. be like, oh, the superhero or whatever yeah. there. With this one, it's the Bond girl, which is like a like I would be on the side of like, you know, well that that's like the classic Bond. Like that's what it's all about to a certain degree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, but that's like again, it's such like an iconic image of Bond with the girl and Right. And like even so many of those girls, you just have that image of, of the way that they look a lot of times, even if you know, the way that they what they had to do right. is not the most, which again we can talk about. But it's just interesting that like you can dissect maybe not entirely great things out of this aspect of well, the Bond I mean, yeah, franchise. I mean, but at the same time it is the most iconic. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that defines it for so many people and like if you, you know if you had like a Bond movie with no girls in it, you know, it would be like you would kind of be like a little weird like even sure. if, even you want to make it, you know, pro- better and more progressive over time, but you just need to have right. the girl in there. Right. Um so because like what so what what's the first what's the first thing you want to talk about with, I kind like, of feel with the like, Bond girls? Like kind of like a general history and the evolution of it because right. I did I did look into kind of where the Bond girl comes from. Like mm-hmm. what why is the Bond girl a thing? And right. It, and it, it's something that starts within the Fleming books. Mm-hmm. Uh it starts with Casino Royale cuz that Casino Royale that first book uh Fleming, you know, introduces the character of uh, Vesper Lind who is based on his wife who basically uh, died very tragically during World War II um, and Fleming just thought the world of her and mm-hmm. thought that like the best way to honor her would be with the Vesper Lind character who also dies within the context of the novel um, and but it's that really that relationship that kind of you know Bond and uh, Vesper that really kind of pulls together that first Casino Royale book uh, as well as kind of the spy-based elements that Fleming got from his real life. And I think what's very fascinating is that very much the reason that the Bond Girl legacy continued is that one of the more well-reviewed aspects of Casino Royale was the kind of the 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 way that Bond and Vesper interacted and kind of the, the sexiness of it from a writing perspective but mm-hmm. also just how it kind of pulls you into different elements of Bond as they kind of had this relationship. Right. Now, what's what's interesting, too, is that, so, f- based on that feedback, Fleming continued to have the Bond girls, you know, in his book, and most of them, not all of them, but most of them are the same uh, name-wise and basic elements of it from um, the, uh, as the movies are. But I think th- one of the, actually, what I was looking up, one of the main differences with the books is, so, the books as it is, 1950s, mm. still have a lot of very problematic elements to them. No, you don't say. But what also makes it interesting from some of a character perspective is that because the Bond, and again, I want to get more into this in the future, but basically the Bond books more have an established continuity, that their books happen in a certain order and certain events happen in certain timelines. And so kind of how the Bond character is presented in the book is that Vesper is the love of his life. He loses the love of his life. Mm-hmm. And so basically... Not that he doesn't care about the rest of these girls, but the rest of them are basically exercising those kind of demons. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a Vesper in his life anymore, so he basically just kind of, you know, gets up in the bottom of the moment and, you know, mm-hmm. uses, you know, has these relationships with these girls, brings them out of bad situations and sort of that sort of thing. Um, until he meets uh, his new love of his life, mm-hmm. which would be um, Tracy. And then she gets killed as well, and there's a whole thing about that. But I think there's actually more evolution of how that character uses, you know, 
mm-hmm. you know how the books use use the women characters, even though again very problematic elements. Even though it's kind of one of those things where, well, you, well, you keep bringing that up, but like, so, but what is it though? Like that, like, oh, you know, like like in terms of the book stuff. Sure, it's like, well, yeah, oh, yeah. that's well, what kind of what I we're mean, getting into. Well, I mean, like, I mean, the most infamous one it was something that wasn't included in the Goldfinger movie is that it, in the book, Goldfinger, right? Pussy yeah, 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 is a lesbian, right? Who is turned? Oh, Bond turns her turned, in the Bond turns her in nice. the, the infamous line where Bond they're in bed together, and Bond says, "I thought you liked women. I thought you only liked women." And Pussy responds, "Well, that's because I never met a man before." <laughs> Yes. Uh, so there's awful. different elements of that, and like a lot of a lot of the book Bond girls have very traumatic pasts. Right. Be like lots of, you know, I I was raped or I was abused. Right. Or, right. Know, right. Sort of thing, and that kind of relates to Bond's trauma from his childhood. That relates to, you know, him losing Vesper in such a tragic element of his life. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of all that controversy there, but also it's one of those things where yes, a lot of those elements haven't aged well. But also Fleming was also giving like a lot of these female characters like actual jobs and stuff in a mm-hmm. time period where they really weren't, you know, like, but, like but, in a time period where like there weren't really known, you know, or most people did not really realize there were female spies mm-hmm. that Fleming went out of his way to include multiple female spies in his book and stuff like that. So there's always kind of that element. But basically, even in those Bond books, the emotional core of that series is Bond's relationship with women. And right. that really in some ways defines how he grows and changes as a character over the course of those books. Mm-hmm. That, you know, again, between Vesper and Tracy being like these these major ports of his, of his life to just even like, you know, kind of Bond expanding his world to different, you know, aspects of the world and stuff like that through these women. It's, it, it does become a major aspect of how that Bond book character relates. And I think it's also something that when you just compare it to the movies, which is why I always found this interesting – is that like the movies because they don't like the movies obviously start with Dr. No and the movies don't have that continuity. The movies just start with Bond is just sleeping with women. So you don't really get like what what kind of ends up happening is you kind of lose that emotional aspect a lot of times with the movie where, you know, Bond is getting together with this girl, uh, whether it be, you know, Honey Rider or Pussy Galore or uh you know domino or what whoever it may be you you sometimes can you know especially in those early ones you lose that emotional core of that relationship because there is no kind of arc it's basically like every movie it's like oh well, here's bond with the next girl yeah well like that. they don't do it in the movies yeah i mean that's i mean just most of the time play playing well i'm just saying like the but it's, that's interesting see what i was gonna say what's interesting bringing that you've mentioned that that's kind of like how it is in the books because that is really, really ultimately was kept away from the franchise heavily up until the Craig era in which they really started getting into possibly that character motivation. But also the thing I was going to mention, it was that, the the downside of that was that the, what was the thing that we've said about like for some reason like all the Craig movies are super obsessed with the 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 Bond girl has a has a troubled past or has daddy issues or mm-hmm. has like some sort of like connection with like a former like right. uh, it, paternal it, or love interest and that, even like the, the, yeah. the you know the the kind of real short ones of you know in in Skyfall the the uh, sex oh sure yeah but what I'm yeah, saying and, is and, is and, that and in uh, Mario Bellucci and in, in uh, Monica, yes. Monica Monica um Monica. 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 um but 
it is fascinating to hear that ultimately, and not to say that any of the earlier Bond movies were without their issues as well, but it's funny that those specific problems were very much uh, like mitigated in the franchise up until like a certain point Mm -hmm. because really so and then as we get into the films uh and this is this is where it gets so this is where it gets interesting because i hear what you're saying and i think that this it's interesting to hear that was the genesis of why the women became such prominent in these movies that being said, now I'm going to speak from a more adjacent point of view. Yeah. Of seeing That's like. That's why you're uh, here. Yeah. So let's call it what it is. Like, this Bond is in many ways a very big male power fantasy no it's male fantasy yeah i mean that was the other thing i, I, I was going to mention is that that's a ma- very major element especially of the film bond yeah is it, i would it, honestly is, say it's the core element until they started doing a little bit more but it's like i mean like when you look at it it's like all right like suave guy wearing suits playing poker killing bad guys and getting the woman and not only is it a woman but it's a badass woman who can quote unquote take care of herself but not but only just enough, and then the man needs to come in. I mean, that's kind of what the the appeal of it is to a certain degree, because like that is like a certain, and it is interesting. Like we've seen that the franchise kind of fumbled this ball a little bit, but it's interesting. Like, what's like the first image of like our first Bond girl? Like, you know, she's coming out of the water. She's all sexy. She's in the bikini, but she's got a knife on on her belt. Yeah. She's there with a mission, I guess. But there's a level of like, oh, like sexy, capable woman, and you kind of get like the mindset of like, uh, it is very, you know, male power fantasy, male gazy to a certain degree. But y- yeah. there's a little bit of like. But I do also want to say I don't want to demonize it either because yeah. it's like there's there's no really constructiveness in, in doing that because I think that the whole fact that like each of these Bond movies can be defined by like, oh, like the like the cool, powerful, sexy lady, which is like this is cool. Like and, and it's like yeah. and when it's done well, oh, yeah. like, you know, people I mean, talk about I mean, people still talk about like Ava Green as like yeah. probably one of one of the best ones and who like you. Who wouldn't want to have her as like as like the uh, the staple of, of that movie? Yeah. So right. there is definitely like there's nothing inherently bad about that either. Mm-hmm. And then, but also you kind of get into like these are movies about James Bond, so it's like you know that's just you know what yeah. it's going to be. No, I agree, and I think it's also I mean, and I do want to talk about again the girls that we like over the course of the movie or of yeah. this episode too, because I do think that there are elements of some of those characters that I still think you know work well, especially in those older movies. Yeah, obviously, so many of them have issues and things that have not aged well. Uh, but again, like like we said, it's kind of it's kind of talking about history and realizing that that was you know the case, and you know we we keep getting better at it. Uh, I do think though a very big element of why the Bond girl is so iconic is just how those first three movies play like the first three movies and how they portray those, the women and just the, the choices of those books just kind of all come together and being like, yes, this is a major element of the franchise. Cause obviously we just mentioned honey rider in the first doctor. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, like when you think of iconic bond girls, that, that first shot of her singing as she comes out of the water with the seashells and stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's something that people think about when they think right. about bond. And, you know, t- you introduced in From Rush With Love, Tatiana Robinova, which I think also has, you know, different 
iconic elements of her, like their that first real big sex scene within the Bond franchise is kind of in that movie itself. Like that's really when Bond was kind of doing that. There, they, I mean, that from Rush with Love scene where the mouth, my mouth is your mouth. Yeah, I think my mouth is too big. No, it's just the right size. The whole scene, you know, within ourselves, you know, it's just kind of it plays as a very iconic scene. But it's also the scene that they use to test Bonds and Bond girls. Mm-hmm. Like that scene is still to this day the scene that they use right. because it's so iconic in terms of how that is presented. And then you get the Goldfinger, which also has, you know, really the first, you know, kind of expendable Bond girl in Jill Masterson with the iconic shot of her nude in the gold. Right. And then Pussy Galore, which again, we has that problematic rape, pseudo rape scene because it's still kind of all weird. In that right, right, right. But at the same time, again, that pantsuit kind of big badass, like sure, taking sure. shit. Again, it's still iconic. Plus, all through all those first two, and you know a little bit in the third one, you have the Sylvia Trench, like oh the girlfriend that Bond has, but then he goes off, which kind of glows into the male power fantasy type. Of right, deal. right. But you can combine all that; those first three movies just it just sets a high precedent, and all three of those you could say are iconic Bond girls within, especially within the fandom, but especially in Goldfinger and Doctor No, that I think that that kind of that those lasting image. So it's kind of you. You're always kind of reflecting on those when you're thinking of the next Bond girl, at least when that franchise was starting out. And so it's always kind of like, well, they had to do something big with them, whether or not they succeeded or not. Well, it's interesting because so I go back and think about it because in my mind I try to think of okay, like when did this get defined for better and for worse? Yeah. And I think the turning point, and I've brought it up several times, is probably Goldfinger yeah. because that's when. You know, you are bringing up that like one of these can be expendable, and then you have, and then you start having like, uh, like questionably rough sex scenes, like with like the yeah. like the girl. But it's like because I I do remember in those first two movies, and I mean this in the best ways, where it's like, you know, the these Bond movies, especially these very early on, they're not like the most substantive movies. Like it, right. it is more of just like a. Just a spy film. like, yeah. And I don't want to say just a spy film, but it's about like James Bond. He's on a mission, and he goes on a mission, and here's the all, sexy right. lady. and, and so Because yeah, these were also, right. too, just from a production standpoint, these were when the films had still like, kind of lower-end budgets, right. too. Yeah. So it's not like they could do all the crazy stunt stuff and the big effects that they could do in those later ones. They were kind of like, you know, they were kind of much more simpler films in right. simpler places. And simpler well, the point things. I'm trying to make is like to a, certain, really, to a yeah. certain degree – it's not like anybody has a lot of like substantive stuff to do. So if I remember and recall those first two movies, there really wasn't anything that stood out as as quote unquote problematic with any of it because yeah. it's like, do the Bond girls do they have a, a lot to do? Probably not. But also like Connery is just going around being Connery too. Yeah. So it's not like there's you know. So maybe you know it's kind of a backhanded compliment because it's just the lack of like them actually like doing anything like real notable other than you know being two solid movies. Uh, and then you get to Goldfinger, which is like now that they're establishing uh, tropes that we have found have been criticized throughout the entire legacy yeah. uh, of Bond. Um, so it, it it is interesting because I would say that that is the turning point when you could start having like a serious discussion of yeah. like what are these characters? Well, because like, I mean, again, you mentioned it in our July Fourth special, and I I put from us with them on my four, but you're not wrong in that Goldfinger is really the movie that is so iconic and how much it establishes like the formula and and like really cements it as like what these movies are, right? And and that does relate to the Bond girls as well because again, even you get like you know. 
that kind of badass female villain that kind of goes on the good side with with pussy and mm-hmm. and I think that that is an important element to kind of discuss. Well, the problem being is that a lot of the times, and as much as I give like you know credit to the fact that like oh it's like awesome that you know these guys these uh women uh become like the icons of each of these movies to a certain degree they almost like that's all they kind of are to a certain point like that they're just the pieces in that movie and that's because i just didn't feel that way when i watched dr no like it's like when that one it's like okay yeah she's like the sexy lady but it's all kind of fitting into like the genre and the vibe and she's kind Mm -hmm. of the co-lead even if she has nothing to do whereas like i'm just i was just so aware when watching goldfinger that all right now these characters are becoming tropes in in these movies and i and i'm not immediately against tropes. and i think what also the issue becomes and this is this was a common theme if you were listening to our early bond episodes Mm -hmm. is that there's usually in those early movies there's kind of a hard line between like the Bond girl has something interesting to do, and then, well, I mean, it's Bond's turn to save the day, so they just kind of disappear, or they kind of stop being interesting. Right. Like, there's always kind of, like, I mean, again, like, we always bring up Pussy Galore, but she is so iconic in that in that realm of the Bond girl, and she's almost a perfect example of this, where it's like, I've I've said this many times, and you can go back to the Goldfinger episode, and I'll, I'll say it a million times if you listen to that episode a million times. But I, I really enjoy the character of Pussy Galore up until that barn scene because mm-hmm. I think like there is actually like he has some really good interplay with Connery. There's some kind of interesting machinations with you know, sort of maybe is she think rethinking on this or maybe is she you know rethinking on, on her partnership with Goldfinger or maybe is she gonna double down on it you know and there's sort of elements of their fighting that I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean that I think that you know first plane scene like that first interaction is so good between them. But then you get to that barn scene. And no matter what what it is, then the end of the movie, it's like, yes, she's like, in in theory, she's like, well, she you know switched the gas so they saved the day, but also you just watch her stand there mm-hmm. because well her job is done, she did the deal, and now Bond's got to save it. Right. It's like you know a later Bond movie would have been more so like, oh, she you know they catch her turning, but then she fights alongside him, and then it would be something more interesting. But I mean, yeah, I mean, and, maybe, and, and, yeah, and, and it's but it's also something that I think was kind of consistent upon among some of those early bond movies i mean it's same thing with kind of solitaire in live and let die where right. it's like yes you know there's this kind of weird like you know is she actually psychic is she crazy like that kind of element of like mm-hmm. what the bond movie is trying to tell you then she loses her ability to see the future and yes there's a little bit of interesting in that but then again at the end of the movie she just becomes like kind of she's just there because right. like because again it's now now time for bond to save the day and i feel like that's kind of always been the issue with with the girls like even even in one of my favorite movies which is by love me and even one of my favorite bond girls which is even h and triple x having rewatched it again and i i really do see your point where it's just like at the end of the movie again she's kidnapped and you know you really kind of wish you would give more something to do i, I still love the triple x character and i think it kind of works a little bit more for what that movie is right right but also it's like it would have been nice to see her kick out a little more ass at the very end it's just like there's always kind of a hard line of like when they kind sure. of run out of things to do right and okay now it's time for just bond to be the hero which i guess is like you can see why that's the case right but it's just like it just becomes like such a common thread but here's if i had to sum up what my entire issue with Bond girls overall, and, and and I'm just generalizing here. Obviously, I have some favorites, but if I had to say, because you know, a lot of people have their hot takes about the Bond girls. Here, here's would be my general kind of like issue with the the ones that don't land, is that too often for me, because I'll 
be honest. If like you know, we kind of are hopping into this episode, and the conversation has been great thus far. Uh, you know, I may be the one who can be the most indifferent about this subject. Not that I don't care. It's just like... Well, as you said, the Bond I, movies made you asexual anyway. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but it's like I could more easily point out the ones that, oh, these were good, but that's also not really a compliment to the track record of these films, if right. I'm going to be honest. No, no. But I would say, like, my biggest overall issue would be I I don't like it when they're just baggage on the movie. And more often than not, sometimes I sit there being like, oh, yeah, no, this is just the girl that's with him in this movie yeah. and, like, chasing him around. And, you know, and it's it's funny because it's interesting because this is when we get into the category of idiots on the Internet being like, oh, like, don't get woke about Bond and, like, you know, don't don't get all PC about Bond and, like, you know, trying to, like, that. Because I know, like, a lot of people who, like, the Bond girl being there is part of it. And I actually would agree with that on paper. But the thing is, like, when you go back and watch a lot of these movies, yes, it's nice and it's sexy and it could be titillating, could it be even cool and badass to have these women here. But if you're talking about a truly expendable aspect of storytelling in these movies. It's these women a lot of the time that they're just kind of there. And if we're going to, it's just funny to me that like in a world where like, you know, so many of these same people want to like talk about like, you know, like, you know, uh, like chuffa and films and like films like wasting time or just like being so like nitpicky and critical about things, but they want to like maintain like, Oh, like the thing that they love about the franchise this is one of those things, but you go back in them, it's like, well, you just like it because it's iconic, but if we're talking about it as a story, it's it's baggage. Yeah. And that's how I feel about most of these women. Now, go back to probably the big example. This would probably be my go-to for what I, I think is the proper way to do it, and that's in Goldeneye, where that's a character, and that is uh, uh, Natalia? Yeah. Yeah. Natalia! Yeah. So Natalia's great in that movie because... She's capable in the field that they give her. Mm -hmm. They organically give her a field that explains why she's not going to be in the action with Bond, but they make her capable. They give her a pretty decent character to work with, uh, a very independent character, but still maintaining like, oh, she's a woman and she's fallen in love. And that's when they got a little bit smarter with how Bond flirts too. Because that's when they did like a girl would flirt with Bond and Bond be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So they, they would do that. But they were also able to maintain Bond going after the big bad at the end. And that doesn't feel like baggage to me. That just feels like the organic well, way of bringing the Bond girl in and incorporating her right. into and the I, plot. Right, and I think also with Natalia, and I, I do want to continue to talk about more of our favorites. Of sure, course. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think what also works for Natalia is, again, is there's depth to her character, which the other thing about the baggage thing is that there are, I, I probably like more Bond girls than you do. Just in I would say that's probably the case. Probably yeah. the <laughs> but also, like, what happens a lot of times, especially those early Bond girls, is just because they don't give them depth. Right. That when it comes time for the neat necessary, like in the movie, to kind of really get those final, like you know, the heights of everything, there's just nothing there for them to mine. Right. Whereas with Natalia, Natalia is actually one of the best ones because again, she has that little mini short film just about her own life within you know the first you know act into the second act of the movie mm-hmm. and what that does is that establishes with the audience the emotional like where she's coming from her history her emotional kind of where her status so once she gets with bond we're already kind of familiar with the character right which exactly. is something that you can't really say with someone like pussy who is just kind of 
you know, as much as I enjoy the the beginning aspects of that character, yeah, she's just kind of th- she's I, just kind of thrown out I, there. But I would be more. I, I would actually be more apologetic back. about that because she's the henchman and then she turns yeah. good. Like, for instance, like... I mean, I mean, I definitely have some ones that are, are baggage. Like, for, like, here, I don't, here's I don't the doubt thing. that. Mary Goodnight in oh, well, Man with the Golden Gun. Why is she there? She's no reason. I mean, Why I, is she there at she, the end? She's, 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 she's my... I, I, to this day, she is the most useless of oh, all the Bond girls. Oh, see, now, if you want to say another uh, another aspect, like, if you're baggage, you know what makes that worse? If you're an idiot. And some of these women, I'm sorry, are idiots. Yes. Like, they do. And like, then, I, I, yeah. So, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, no, 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 no. I you get 100% to, in the get man you. with the golden gun, and then, like, she, you're, because you do sit there, and, and when you think about it, like, why is, why is she here? Like, what yeah. is she what does she do? No, and Mary, she's just fucking up. And why is she wearing a bikini? You're, like you're, what? You're completely right. Like Mary is the definition of like, because you know I said Man with the Golden Gun is one of my least favorites. You're a little more apologetic to it, but one of the reasons I do not like it is that it has kind of two of the more useless, unnecessary pairs of Bond women in the in the world. Mm-hmm. Like Mary Goodnight and Andrea Anders, which is Scaramanga's mistress in that movie. You you that's a movie where like Mary I. Yeah, I'm a very much like Mary Goodnight's probably my least favorite Bond girl because like there's no reason for her to be there. She just adds nothing to the plot, mm-hmm. and yes, she's just there to be in a bikini at the end of the movie, right? Like, because you can. Here's the thing: I think we've talked about this. You can do dumb or idiot and make it work. Like, I think like Tiffany Chase in you know uh, Diamonds Are Forever, and even Plenty to a Tool to mm. to an extent. Like, if you used it in an interesting way. And still give that character because she still actually has a little bit of depth in that she kind of is this girl who's kind of caught up in this diamond thing, but found out she's got a little over her head, you know, kind of worrying about her own skin. But still, the kind problem of is it like, and I know we got it, it led to the biggest laugh of the movie, yeah. And I get that, so that's why I'm torn on it. But she's just, it's, she's just so dumb. Yeah, like, but, I think, like, but <laughs> I think that there's an aspect of that that. that I think right. Way, I just don't I think, think the movie's aware of it no, to the to the point. Of, you're correct. Yeah, you're correct. I think we can enjoy it for what it is, despite knowing that the movie is not completely aware of what that character is. Yeah, I think the character is is interesting despite it, as right. opposed to because of it. Um, now, if that were like, here's a Bond girl because I have I have tiers of Bond girls. I have the ones I like and don't like, and then and also I should be clear that like much in the same way about my rating of the Bond movies, like you know a lot of these movies I've only seen once here, so my go to recollection for it is probably not as good as yours. So if it were, I'd probably be able to recall ones I like and yeah. ones I don't like. But like I do have the Bond girls that. Oh, that's actually not a bad idea, even though it may be weird and maybe not used that well in the movie. Uh, like, if you gave that role to, like, a BB, oh, that it, would be funny. Because yeah. it's, like, this young girl who has the hots for James Bond, and she just keeps fucking up. Like, that's funny. Yeah. Like, and then, because, like, if you, if, if you had that dynamic, because that was the only thing that really kind of saved that thing where she's just kind of like, oh, like, I, like she wants James Bond, and James Bond's like, no, you're a child. <laughs> like, so, like, I mean, it's weird, but, yeah. like, you can make that work. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of goes into that weird, like, uh, oh, that's, like, kind of, like, a fun idea yeah. uh, aspect of it. Um, but, um, but yeah, that that's, like, the big my, – my biggest thing – is when because I just watch so many of these movies and when I go back and recall them like I was looking through the list and I was like and my biggest thing was like wait why why was she there like like the like the psychic uh like the the one he fucks the future out yeah. of 
after that, well, I guess like you know, he's trying. The villain's trying to get her back, and it's kind. Of, but like ultimately, it's like why? Why is this the movie? Like it's like is that this mission, and now he's got to protect this girl, and does and it just doesn't lead up to anything like right? Because usually, big it's and, even like, like a, yeah. in that situation, it's more so like he's trying to get information and. You know, then it kind of transitions from like I'm just trying to you know get information to like I may or may not like care about you, which right, is like again right. with those older Bond movies, kind of can be a little bit touch and go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to, I will want to go deeper into some of my favorites personally. Sure, yeah, yeah, um, go ahead. I yeah, do, I do want to kind of go into some of my other least favorites first because we were just on. Oh, do we want to get least favorites out of the way? Yeah, I can easily just, get let's those do out, that out of the way. way. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, it was uh, for me. It was. Uh, it was Mary Goodnight and uh, is it Tiffany Chase or Case? Tiffany. Or, yeah, Tiffany. Yeah, those were the ones that stood out as just like oh. baggage and idiots. Like I just I can't yeah. I can't deal. Like it's just. That's I mean it's fair. Um and um, uh, I thought the idea for Octopussy is a good idea. It's an awesome idea. Just that not is just wasted. It's just wait. It's not even like it's done bad like they don't even do like a questionable dated thing with it it's just they just don't do they anything don't just do with anything it. with it which is like it's uh, yeah more that's so a like, shame like like octopusy is more on like a disappointment right as opposed yeah. to like something i don't like so yeah man with a golden gun two of my least favorites now one i really also don't like are our two female characters in uh for your eyes only mm-hmm. um no, that's sorry for your eyes only. Excuse me. For uh, I like Melina Havlock. She's not my favorite. Sense. I meant uh, you only live twice. Our two Japanese women, the one that switched roles because. You know, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because yeah. like first of all, like um, that's a movie. Remember where the main Bond girl unnecessarily dies, and then he just marries like another one for the last act of the movie. Right, right. And it's like neither of those women have any sort of character. Neither of them really do anything with the plot, and it's just I think. How I remember putting it is that, like, I think um, Man with the Golden Gun, to me, is, like, the most useless pair. Because that's a really a movie that you can just excise those characters and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. At least with, you know, in, in theory, just if you didn't change the plot of all of uh, You Only Live Twice, you would still need those women characters in there just, be, just to make, work, like, what they want that movie to be. Right. Whereas, like, you know, there's, like, kind of that thing where it's, like, you could delete them and there's, like, Mary Goodnight is just not necessary in the right, movie. Right, right. But also, in that sense, uh, for your eyes, uh, I, always, I always get this, there's a four, <laughs> the four-word Bond title. And it, it, it sucks, too, because it's a movie I really like and a movie I really don't like. Hey, man, so I you gotta be careful. I gotta be careful. Uh, for your eyes only, no, shoot, I did it again. You only live twice. You only live twice. You only live twice. Uh-huh. I kind of said, like, it's just so bad bland and in in many ways like just even more sexist that it's just like you don't have anything to do Mm -hmm. with these women at least again you know it's just like it's just so bad and and the japanese stuff and the the yellow face on top of that Mm -hmm. is kind of just you really puts a bad mouth right about in the movie i'm also of like you know um another notoriously bad bond movie of um a view to a kill with the tanya roberts character now Mm. it's like one, you know, they still give her, you know, they give her the geological stuff and they try to give her like a thing, mm-hmm. a reason to be there. But I mean, just like that whole movie. But it's again, just, why is she going on the mission with him? Like, because she, you know, it's like, I have the thing with my, you know, they're taking away my father's, you know, legacy. And it's like, right, th- right. There's that, they, that's a movie where it's like, you can see the ideas building of like, they're trying to do a little bit of like why she's there. Mm-hmm. But also like, she really like, again, 
just has one scene that she needs to be there for. Right. And then the whole rest of the movie are just like I just like I just watch some of these movies and I just don't buy. They never really sell me with the exact with the exception of something like uh, uh, Goldeneye where I just bought like. I guess they just I guess it really just comes to they just gave her enough character for me right. to buy that no I'm going with you whereas like a lot of these other movies it it just feels like they just need the girl I to mean, go I, with it. I him. would say that that's actually cuz the consistency to me is that the Bond girls are like are usually the ones that have reasons yeah. to be with them. So did you have any other ones? Do that- you, wait, can I let me bring this up as a point cuz I don't I think this is an important thing. I wonder how much it has to do with the chemistry of it because I often think of I think it's just one of those things well well there just has to be a bond girl that yeah. sometimes I take for granted like do these two actually have chemistry with I each other I don't think that's a bad that's a bad play cuz again if I think of the ones I like it's the girls that usually have a little bit more depth to them yeah. have a little more reason to be there and that have good chemistry with yeah. their opposite bond. Well think about what did we just watch ne- never say never again Yeah I had no issues with any of the women in that movie and any right. of the interplays personally. And I thought because like they established like this kind of good chemistry and, you know, repartee between like Bond and the women. Whereas like I think of like man, I can't think of like I love Roger Moore, but I can't think of like any of those movies where I felt like yeah, those two, they really have good chem- Roger Moore and like the Bond girl have really great chemistry in this. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't really, I can't I, really think I of mean, one. I mean, I would disagree. But What's I mean, the one where he's like, people die on this job and we a, have to get used to it? That's Spy Who Loved Me. Maybe that one would yeah. be the closest, but. Which is, again, one of my favorites. So were there any other bad ones that you um, want to talk about before I get to, like, my kind of list of the ones that stand out? Uh, I, I don't know if. Once again, I think Pussy Galore is in that area of, I think, iconic because of the name and everything, but I don't know if I have anything really to say, to yeah. really say about her. Uh, I'll get my controversial opinion out of the way. I'm still undecided if I like Vesper Lynn in uh, Kissing Royale. I, like, I don't think that's a bad... I mean, like it's not one that I you know would put you on the board. I think yeah. it is very much like a toss-up, just depending on kind of how you view it. I think... Uh, Eva Green is great in the movie. So don't get me wrong. I think she, as an actress, is really good in the movie. The movie does a pet peeve for me that is, it's a me problem definitely, where it does that. They give you this entire character through the movie and then they kind of do like a switcheroo type of thing at the end. So then I'm like, well, wait, but so was that the character proper or do I look at this character as a deceptive character? Like how long, like, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like they care and, but then they just, they had to make the decision to do that. Right. Yeah. So it's like, and then also she kind of gets caught up in the, though all that being said that that is pretty, you know, decent, um, uh, you know, uh, repart- like treatment of the character in that all things considered. Um, but yeah, no, it is interesting to think of like, I just think of like, maybe I never pay attention to the chemistry because yeah. it's just like, well, there just has to be a bond. There Who cares if they, right. but it's like, and when I think of like, you know, go golden eye, like that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. I know I keep going back to no, it, no, but, but it's no, like, but it's, it's fair. Yeah. Again, Natalia is one of the better bond girls and it's, she's on my list of, of favorites. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, so, uh, what, what are, so let's get into your favorites. So, I, I mean, I have, I have, I do have a kind of a longer selection mm-hmm. to an extent. No. Yeah. Yeah. Lay, lay um, me. I was kind of going order just as they pop in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like Tatiana Winova from, from Rush With Love. Uh, just as an early kind of example of like what you can do. Mm-hmm. I think that 
there's that kind of de- internal debate she has, you know, kind of the way that that movie moves. I really like her character. Um, I mean, I, you know me. I'm a stand for uh, Agent Triple X, Anya, in Spy Who She's on my list because one of the things, like, because she, because also she has a crossbow, right? That's no, no, her? No, no, that's not Oh, her. no, that's the other one. Yeah. yeah. No, but I will go back that. I do think even though some of the plot lets Agent Triple X down a little bit, yeah. I was so they did they do a really good job of setting this up as like an independent character. Yeah, to and, follow. I, and I do think, like I said, like when you talk about the chemistry and when you talk about the deepness of character, I think that again, uh, Anya is another one of those characters where she has kind of a motivation is that you know her her true love dies you know in the opening sequence. They have this thing where this uneasy alliance, and I think her and Ro- I think her and Roger Moore actually have great chemistry. I, I always think of that scene, you know, this uh, quote that quote from our episode, the scene where it's like, yeah, people die in this job. I did kill your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I'll kill you. I, you know, and I, I do think that at the end of the movie, that moment at the end where she says, I mean, she's about to kill him, but then like, you know, right, right. I do think that's like fun and cool moments. I actually like all three of the Roger Moore, like those middle movie Bond girls, those mm-hmm. three good ones. I do think that. Um, Especially on this watch that we did for the podcast, I think I appreciated uh, Holly Goodhead a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Same sort of deal where, you know, again, she has a reason to be there. She's actually a CIA agent, you know, CIA agent investigating the same thing. You know, and again, at the end, they actually do give her those opportunities to be like a hero in that third sequence, which, again, for a lot of those early Bond girls, you don't really get a chance to. Right. And Melina Havelock in uh, For Your Eyes Only, mm-hmm. I got that correct mm-hmm. that time. Again, give her kind of the the story. She has a crossbow, and uh, that relationship still kind yeah, of you know. She's one of my favorites. And again, because it, it is Bond, it, it's kind of that relationship is more so kind of the classic Bond book relationship on screen. It's very right. much like the you know Bond. You know, the it actually works a little bit with like the kind of slightly older Roger Moore. Not slightly older. He is older, but it yeah. still kind of works. But the older Roger Moore kind of knowing you know, especially because that movie opens up with. Tracy at the you know his raising Tracy Gray's is like getting out for revenge is not going to help you mm-hmm. and then they kind of you know you know protect each other there's she's smart and a lot of times there's smarter Bond girls too like you know like mm-hmm. Havelock and Goodhead and Anya you know they have when they when when they can just when Bond can play off the girl and and really just have like you know when they're trying to figure out where you know her father last saw it and like oh the parrot says this and oh we connect this together it just really works very well well like but also let's not undersell this part that character has a purpose and a goal in the movie and that drive, really yes. has nothing to do i mean it, it intersects with bond but it has nothing to do with following him around because yes. i think with most of these bond girls yes. it's like they intersect and then then they're attached at the hip for the rest of it whereas this girl like you just th- sorry this woman she you track her whole mission mm-hmm. and her whole, and then she has like an end to that mission yes. as well so it really is that Havelock stands out as a way uh, one of the better defined yes. like, individual characters yeah, so who's again, a Bond girl I do like all three of those middle more movie Bond yeah. girls um, I think yeah, yeah that th- those are those are those are not bad now yeah. I know I gotta mention adults because I yeah. do alright so I recently showed a friend of ours uh, Living Daylights for the first time mm-hmm. and rewatching that I do I know you had issues with her, but I do really like Kara because yeah. I do like, again, same thing. You know, Bond has a reason to have her there. She's, she's trying to, like, lead her along to get information. But I do like the, how that movie presents them as, like, he's slowly caring more about her. She kind of is getting more protective. And then, like, again, at the end, she tra- – what I like about Kara, I think what makes her unique is – Is this the one where she's, like, with the bad guy at the beginning? Yeah. 
She's oh, yeah, you know I have a problem with this one. No, I understand that. Yeah, no, go ahead. And I can totally see that, but I do kind of like that transition between her being the civilian Bond girl and then basically choosing to fight at the end. I kind of like that. It's a little bit unique. And I'm going to throw Pam in there, Pam Bouvier from License to Kill. You just like saying Pam Bouvier. That's what you like. I knew, because when I was looking at the list, all I had in my head was you saying Miss Bouvier. It's a dangerous business you picked, Miss Bouvier. Uh, but and, and then uh, Natalia. I and I then, do not like that she was with this bad guy. Okara. Yeah, and then and then here comes Bond, and then she's just like, "Well, I guess I'll just uh, like I'm I mean, in love she, with you now." Well, she doesn't know he's a bad guy, but then like no, but this, like I mean the fact that like oh like this one guy I said this in the episode proper, but the bad guy drops her off, so she just goes to the next guy. She has nothing else to do, like. I'm not saying you can't well, no, do that. I'm not. I mean, like, I'm not Bond trying to leading, shame her. I'm Bond just is, saying. Bond like, is leading her along, but that's a whole different. No, it, but it just for me. No, and I, again, it, it comes down I more gotcha, to not gotcha. the actions. It just feels like the characters, much in the way that Havelock feels like she has a purpose and a drive and a goal in the movie. When you do things like this with the character, it it comes off to me as this character has nothing else to do other than fall in love with James Bond. Like, it's, I, it's listen, enforced upon because it's like, that's just what's supposed to happen. That's I think that's fair. Yeah. I read a little bit more into that character. Sure, I yeah, I, I, I could be. Maybe on a rewatch, I'll, I'll be more And same thing with Pam. I think you could, I mean, I think, you know, you could also have issues with Pam. I just think that something hit with me mm-hmm. on this one. And, okay, her name is Pam Bouvier. It's kind of great. Um, but I would, and then I'm, I'm really going to finish up with, with Natalia and Goldeneye because, yeah. and she might be up there as terms of like the top, like her and her and triple X, I think are, are, I would say if I had a Trinity of my Bond girls, like my three that I really like, right. I think it is like Anya, Havelock and Natalia. Yeah. I think those are my three because yeah, I she's think, probably my, Natalia's probably my favorite. I think, and I mean, I, 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 and I think she puts up a really good fight to be the favorite because Again, she has that whole like that whole short movie that she has about her. I think really just does wonders for not only the movie itself but just that character, mm-hmm. and that you really just that little bit, and it's masterful like directing and stuff by uh, Campbell that really gets you into that character. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that that Natalia should be up there as one of the top ones. But I think like Anya Havelock and Natalia, I think are like within my top three. I would put those at, at the top of my list. So, but none of the winter-based women, not Miranda Frost or Christmas Jones. <laughs> Definitely not Miranda Frost or Christmas Jones. <laughs> I think here's the thing, and I will say this is my last thing for the ones. Yeah, I yeah, like. yeah, yeah, yeah. In in um, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, uh-huh. Tracy is one of the ones that's right on the edge for me because I do really like that character as a whole. And I do like how that movie tries to portray is like why Bond would get with this girl, especially within the context of where the Bond franchise has been with that one. Mm-hmm. But one of my hottest takes is that Honor Majesty's Secret Service is probably one of my top movies that I would love to see remade, or at least the idea of it mm-hmm. redone. Yeah. And and most of that reason is I feel like Tracy is a good character in that movie to me. Whereas I feel like in a remake, you could really make her a great character. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's like Tracy especially is a character that's dragged down just from the era that she's in. Where it's like she does give stuff to do. I think they do present her as a smart character. But also at the end of the day, it's just like it's a, you know, it's the last and be 60s Bond movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just like there's only so much that they were going to give her. Because yeah. I think like Tracy is like just like Octopussy, Tracy is a character with a lot of potential. And while Tracy hits that potential a little bit more in that movie, I feel like there's a, you, you could do more. 
Um, yeah, so I, I want to hear. I want to hear more about you. I mean, like, I again, I I don't have as much of a thorough list. I mean, like, Natalia is definitely. I, I would probably arguably say my favorite. Um, but I will say this: I I will get up to bat for Jinx. Can I put Jinx on the list? Sure. The reason I would because when I when we watched that movie, I actually walked away thinking like Halle Berry's pretty good in this. Like I like I I was all you were into ready her for the thing. you were ready for the spinoff. I was kind of ready for the spinoff only because like I will say this like you know it it has been and honestly I would put her in the same category as Michelle Yeoh's uh, Waylon yeah. uh, character because I just felt like the what the Brosnan movies did was that do a good job at like making those. You know, because like even Christmas Jones kind of gets into that. Like, I mean, I guess I get it why she's around, but it's like also she's just like she's just like a scientist who looks yeah. like, you know, Denise Richards. But it's like but I thought uh, but I, I just thought that they really, really sold that Jinx being like this, like, you okay. know, this this equal to Bond in terms of being like a secret yeah. agent. And and I and I just thought like that worked just as like a as a Bond girl. Yes. Now like cause it it was a very cat like it's funny because she actually played Catwoman. Yeah. But it's a very catwoman vibe. Yeah. Cause she was Jinx first, right? Yes. That yeah. was two thousand two. I can see and- why they would want her as Catwoman. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is one of those things that I do think that Halle Berry, when you when I reflect on that movie Despite issues with the script, because I do think that their first kind of flirtation scene is just not well written. Yeah, it, yeah, that's it, more just, of it, like it's, a. But, yeah. it's, but it's more so like at, she's still kind of. You're you're right in that she still kind of presents a memorable. Yeah. Moment. Well, because she's the only one where I'm like, oh, she's a female James Bond, and I think that's why I liked her because. Like, she was given, like, her, like, maybe not the lines they were given, but the way that, like, her flirtatious vibes and her capability in the action and, like, how, like, vicious she would get in some of the fighting, I just bought all of it. Yeah. So I, I will go up to bat for, and I think Michelle Yao, like, I, I, I'm not sure, I think she kind of gets close into that potential for me. I think Halle Berry may have given, maybe maybe Halle Berry just had a little bit more fun with the role, yeah. but I did like Michelle uh, Yao in it. But if we're talking about like another Bond girl that I can like get behind that I, I don't think has gotten quite as much love, and you can... You can steer me away if I'm wrong in calling this a Bond girl. I think I know where you're going with this. But I'm going uh, with why don't I? Oh, I, I, I didn't write her name down. Shoot. Um. Oh shit. Um. No, I didn't write her name down. Fuck. Um. But she's the. Um. She ends up being uh the bad guy in the third Brosnan movie. Oh, Electra King. Yeah, Electra King. Oh, I, I was I about. Have, I was about. To I do have that written down. Sorry, I do. No, no, no yeah. she's totally a Bond girl. Yeah. Okay. And, she was someone that I was about to mention. So, Electric King is one of the other ones where I'm like, again, and maybe I'm gravitating to when they're doing something a little bit different with the Bond yeah. girls. But what I do like about her was that she seamlessly, in a way that even if I kind of had some suspicions, they seamlessly turn her from your standard Bond girl to the villain of the movie. Yes. And she kills it yeah. in the movie. I, and, and I think she's great. You know, I think, I, I do think like. Played by Sophie Marcao. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, w- I was about to mention this because we, I was about to say we had mentioned all the heroic Bond girls. Yeah. But I do think like mentioning those villainous, you know, Bond girls or girls that go up against Bond, mm-hmm. you know, I think is just as important because there is that element. And I think Electra King is a top example of that. I mean, it's very much like she's really 
the only main female villain we've ever seen in yeah. any of these movies. Um, and and perfectly cast too. Oh, like, the performance is great. And again, it's it's you know, the, she, and her look is great for it because she's per like you could tell like she was just the perfect like unassuming like an almost kind of like maybe getting into the unfavorable tropes of just being like because you know she's very like you know youngish looking and she's kind of have a, a, an unassuming face and appearance and then ultimately she ends up being the villain and then when she's yeah. like cranking Bond and like the torture machine she just sells it yeah I yeah. would I would agree and. I think, and again, and, and talking about chemistry, I think that her and Brosnan have really good chemistry in that movie, which only makes that mm-hmm. villainous turn really well. And I also, speaking, we're, we're talking about the bad Bond girls here. Yeah. And whether or not you would want to call her on the official Bond girl list, I think you could you could easily make an argument for it. But we like when we're talking about women in Bond movies, mm-hmm. we cannot get through this without talking about on the top so okay so i mean I, and i know why yes. you might want not to yeah. find it this way but i, I really i mean we'll probably talk about her in a villain centric episode yeah but i just i just need to say that she's also still the best but it's the same because i had that thought too yeah and because she's on lists as well as for bond girls the problem i have with on the top who i love and is probably one of the best Char- hands down characters women whatever in yeah. this franchise yes yes but she's a Bond henchman. Yeah, I know. I don't know if she's a Bond girl. It's it's a dicey it's a dicey road. Yeah, like she does like because like is Mayday a Bond girl? See, this is the this is the thing where yeah. the, you would have people who would say yes because she's like the femme fatale Bond girl. But See, also, I, I think she's the I think she's the henchman. Yeah, but Bond she just does, dips Bond, her toe into Bond, Bond girl does, territory. Bond does sleep with Mayday though. That's what I'm saying. But it's like, does so does like see the, that's 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 really the definition debate. Mm. You know, I think it's just like, but I'm sure we'll have a we'll have a villains episode yeah. as well because I, we have we definitely have a lot to say well, about why, the villains. I won't. Why well, I won't reject your wanting on the top and in uh in in the episode. I I have to side on the. I think that she belongs in the in the henchman category. Then we will we will save yeah. a deeper on a you know, on top discussion, but you're you're correct. Because that. also the uh, henchman and I'm blanking on her name from Never Say Never Again, like you know, Barbara she Carrera. yeah, she's great too yeah. in, in those movies. I mean, on the top is like the queen, yeah. Yas Queen, but mm-hmm. you don't know Yas Queen. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um but but but, but at yeah. least Electric King should be Electric King's great. Should yeah. be noted and I I mean I think that it's a very underrated, you know, underrated character. Mm. And I think that... People, I think she's very underrated. And I think that, you know, The World Is Not Enough is one another one of those movies where I think people sleep on it a little bit, that they kind of, they write it off because of the Christmas Jones thing. Who, yeah. Yeah, she's not great as a Bond girl. But she did give us one of the top five lines in Bond Two history. Two of the top five lines, really. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, I don't know any good Dr. Jones. <laughs> um, one thing I will say, because we didn't really touch upon it... Um, I think all the Bond girls in the Craig movies give fine performances, um, and I actually don't mind um, what's her name uh, in Spectre. Oh, so Leia Seydoux. Le- Leia Seydoux. I actually don't mind her in that movie. I actually think she's doing okay with what she's given. I, 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 but I would none, agree. The I, same. I, I don't connect with any of them. No, I'm. A, yeah. I mean, but that's also me with the entire Craig. Sure. Sort of yeah. Franchise. It's, it's just like that. This rewatch really is just like I just don't. Like Vesper is the best by default because it's just you know she's because and again I can't I just like there's just nothing about that character that I've ever like really connected Mm -hmm. with other than like yeah I mean Ava Green is good in the role like her performance is good 
if you wanted to tell me about one of like the best Bond actresses, I'd probably tell you it's Ava Green. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I much more if we're talking about a character in a movie, I much more go for like Natalia or like you know Electra King or somebody like that. Um, does any? Do you think any of them have good chemistry with Craig? I mean, I get you no, know, no. I, I, I will. I'll take that back. Like Ava Green has good chemistry with. I think. I think Craig. Ava Green yeah. does, and I. I think there's a little shining elements. I think that Craig and Leia Seydoux, when they're in the hotel room, mm-hmm. you know, I think they do. I just don't also think that movie doesn't give the two of them enough to do together mm. to really showcase it. I think the brief moments that they do have, I think they're good. Mm-hmm. But that's another problem with that movie is that, like, again, Leia is good as uh, Madeline Swan for what she's given. Right. But they kind of, like really pull back on on kind of what opportunities they could give her. So it'll be interesting to see if she does get anything more to do in Bond 25 mm-hmm. because she is going to be one of the few Bond girls to ever return. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, it's like that list is solely down to Sylvia Trench, who just appeared in the first two as like the girlfriend and Leia Seydoux. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like, you know, and that's going to be a big important thing is to see like how much they do with it, with a returning character, which is... Never really been done. Well, you had mentioned, like, you know, going forward into Bond. I think, did we want to talk about, like, where what are our thoughts moving forward? What we yeah, want to see? Yeah, I think we can, we, with can the, end, we can end on that. Yeah, so, like, why don't we talk about what what are our hopes going forward with the Bond girl? What are some things that we want to see? What are some things that we'd like to mitigate? But what are some things that we'd like to see them maintain? Like, I think that... Like, you know what the first thing that comes to mind is, is that I do want to see another female villain. Oh, and, 100%. And here's the thing. I would love it if it were like they really didn't connect it to like the like a Bond sexualness. Now, they mm-hmm. would never do that because, one, they're just going to do it. Right. Two, no writer or director is going to like pass up the opportunity of like, oh, well, we're going to explore in Bond's like, you know, sexuality but from like he has to like you know he's kind of like the villains I think you know right no director right. who's gonna get like if no director who pitches that is not gonna pass that up especially on a first chance but I do think that like it really is less like when you look at it it's like yeah we have have we've had Bond women henchmen but we've oh, Electric King is our only really main Bond female villain and mm-hmm. I think like it it's more than enough time to get like another one in there um, I also think that continuing to just find ways to you know give those characters depth. You know, make them feel like a part of the journey in the movie, um, even if they are, you know, the one-time Bond girl. You know, just like they usually are. You know, making them an important aspect of the movie is just the easiest way to make those characters palatable, mm-hmm. um, and just continue to make them like interesting characters. Because you, I think, like there's room for all types of different Bond girls. There's room for civilians. There's room for, you know agent bond girls there's room for you know villainous bond girls there's room for all of that but you just got to make them interesting because as soon as you don't make them interesting they are easily fell to the wayside and i think that that more often than not that's what ends up happening and like you know i just think that especially in the craig movies it's just like it's a very easy kind of route to like you know Mm -hmm. to go down to um especially with like you know skyfall not really having a bond girl and you know, Spectre again, you know, doing not doing enough with Madeline Swan to really you know, kind of make her feel like a character. Right. Um, I just feel like you if you any character you want to make interesting, but especially these female characters, if you make them interesting and if you make them unique, I think that, you know, you there's still so much potential with ways you could tell those stories. 
Um, real quick before I forget, it just popped into my head. Uh, Craig actually has a uh, really good chemistry with uh, Naomi Harris in those movies, especially yes. in that. Yeah, he yeah. really does. No, you know what? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but because also the Naomi Harris stuff is is the one. Here's the thing. I mean, we'll get. She we'll, never goes completely into Bond girl territory, right? Though. Yeah. But the also thing is that Naomi Harris, the Money Penny stuff, is the one is one of the few chances that Craig gets to play a little bit lighter, and that's where that chemistry kind of comes in. Like well, he, was, he plays a range of chemistry. Like, because earlier in that movie, they play like friendly and friends and coworker, like you know, yeah. dynamic. And then they have like the shaving scene when it's like a little bit more intimate stuff, right. and that and that feels good. Right. And then later on, as the series goes, they're like much more like you know friendly and like they joke around. Right. With each well, other. I, I, like I, even I, though, like they had chemistry over that one brief scene over the phone when yeah. he's like, "Who's that at your apartment?" Like, it yeah, was no, just but like, that's, that's yeah. exactly what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Like. like I think because I, I the more I see Craig in like lighter stuff, sure. Like even in the like Craig within like Logan Lucky and the trailer for Knives Out, mm-hmm. when he's having like a little bit of a fun time, I think like he kind of really shines more. And I think yeah. like those Bond movies, but I think that's more. Of you a, can just tell when he's having a good time. Yeah, I, I think that's more of a discussion for we'll do an episode basically about all the Bonds and right. our feelings. But but I think like again, I'll be interested to see how Bond Twenty Five kind of plays into that. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if. You know, Madeline Swan is a major character throughout the movie, and not just one who you know returns to the first act and dies. Which mm-hmm. again, we please don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be interesting to see how they kind of have their chemistry because I I think that there's potential there. Uh, I mean, the only thing I can say, and don't don't fridge women. Just don't do it. It's yeah. it's, it's a stupid trope. There's no need for it. Just don't do it. Well, especially if they're not characters either. Right. I mean, because I mean, like, like yeah. again, like that's the sky, the the Skyfall thing. I mean, like that character is there there for no reason other than to have a weird thing about her, like you know, sex trafficked life, and then right. get shot in the head. Right. Like, and it's just like it really is like again, it's something that I could ignore at the time because I wasn't as aware of kind of what that really meant, and yeah. also I was very much jazzed of like, oh, people like Bond. Whereas, like, you watch it now, and it's like, that's just, it's just, it's just kind of sick in some I, I, here's, I have a very complicated, complicated feelings about the concept of fridging. That's a whole big, complicated conversation that I don't have a clear-cut opinion on. Yeah. What I do have is that, like, you do it, like, think about that moment in Skyfall, like, when he, he, when he does that. Yeah. I'm like, well, I mean, I, like, I don't take him more seriously now no. because of this like and then you just kind of like killed her i don't even really know and, and this bon, and bond girl. doesn't really react to it either it's different like if you've earned a character over the course of the movie and the, like i mean honestly like vesper in the first movie vesper like, and even tracy to an extent are that ways too where they're just like you you do enough with them for the whole movie and then when they die at the end there's a little bit more of an emotional impact sure yeah and that's not and i mean again but that's not what fridging is fridging is just like you just kill a character specifically you know you know Right, no right, reason. right. Um, so, but the the overall thing I was just gonna say is like, just don't take the character for granted because yeah. ultimately, I do. I'm pro keeping the staple of the Bond girl, like, because I think that it is. It's not constructive just to say get rid of it, right? Uh, you know, because you know, there's no shame in there being a Bond girl or like a girl who wants or a woman who wants to be like 
the sexy, strong lady in one of these movies. And I think like that is an aspect that just shouldn't be, we shouldn't be scared of that aspect yeah. of it. So, you know, and I, I'm one of those people where it's like uh, the direction we go for, it shouldn't be backwards and like to take that element out, but just put a character into yeah, it because exactly. the way I see it is like, I look at it this way, like, you're going to have it. Like, there's no scenario in which you're just not going to have a Bond girl. Exactly. So if you're going, and then I, and again, but, and and you know what? I think people just have to, like, or the makers or the writers or whatever these films, just suck it up. This is a part of your film that you're going to be in. Because I do wonder if the more expendable Bond girls come from, like, well, we don't really have anything to do with a Bond girl, so we have to either kill her off or not use her. But listen, you're going to have one, Okay. So do the extra effort and then just make a character who is a character and has purpose. Yes. And that's my biggest thing in yeah. the movie. And then I'm with you on the, like, I want to see a, a female yeah. villain. Yeah. Like that. But I just think, like, you know, making good characters is 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 a key to any good movie. And I think making good female characters is yeah. just going to make things more interesting. Or just, like, a, think the character out. The yeah, only but- reason I The only reason I say that is because it's not like, listen, it's not like I'm sitting there and thinking, like, oh, Bond, what a great character. Like, you know, in that, like, deep mm-hmm. way. Like, I'm not saying, like, you got to give the, I'm not saying you got to give, like, the the Bond girl, like, pathos. Like, I, like or, like, or, pathos. how do you say it? You say pathos. Pathos, you say path. Okay, so, but I'm not saying, like, you have to, like, make it a character study of this. But just like make right. it like again. Oh, we we've, we've said a million times. Goldeneye. Like, we, we want the the mission movie. Like yeah. that's what we want. But again, Goldeneye is the mission movie. Yeah. And it gives Natalia so much to work with in terms of being a character that it just kind of defines her, defines the relationship with Bond. So you don't need to, you know, right? You don't need to get into the deconstructionism. You don't need to get into like the deepening of either character. Yeah. If you just do a simple mission movie and you get a really cool female character that Bond teams up with and give them that drive, give them that energy, give them that purpose, there's nothing you can. There's nothing that's going to. And don't you. feel the need to like overcorrect. And I only say that because then they overcorrect and then they just end up falling short on like trying right. to do like too much, and then it ends up being like you know kind of like because yeah. I I see some of these characters they they think that they're like all right like we're nailing it this time, but it's mm-hmm. like eh, yeah. not really, but. But anyway, so uh, that's our uh, Bond deep dive on I, Bond women, Bond I, ladies. If that's uh, Bond bonitas, that was a very good deep dive. I really much enjoyed that. And mm. if our like other deep dives are this deep in yeah. diving, like I, <laughs> I think this is going to be a little great series for all y'all. Yeah. Um. All right. Well. Um. I think that that'll be it. Uh. For this episode, uh. Nick and I are getting prepared for SDCC. For those of you who don't know what that stands for, it stands for San Diego Comic Con. You could have said something very dirty, right? There. No, I could have, but um. You know. You know exactly what we're like. You know. SD. What? Oh man. Oh man. Oh, here we go. Bond episode. Men. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, but no, yeah, so we're getting ready for that uh, right now. Don't think there'll and, be any uh, Bond news there, um, yeah. but uh, we might have some Godzilla things to share mm-hmm. uh, on our social media, so you should follow us there on our different social media platforms. Yeah. And I can give them to you right now if you'd like. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you can go to, uh, you know, you can email us if you see anything interesting at uh, bondzillabot at gmail.com. You see anything interesting and related to Bond or Godzilla, but if you see something interesting you want to share, it, you know, hey. 
Or if you need the, if you need to send people ten, you know, ten, you know, oh, email these ten people, or else someone will kill you. Yeah, here, email us. We don't care. We I love this it. attitude of just like you're like talking to somebody in like your office building, and you're just like, yeah, well, if you're like on the second floor, just like stop by, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I don't know if anybody's ever emailed us. I'm waiting for that first email. Uh, we have uh, Twitter.com slash Bonzilla 007, Facebook.com slash Bonzilla 007. Definitely on the Twitter, uh, we will. It'd be definitely showing off some of that uh, Godzilla Comic Con booth action, mm-hmm. uh, but if there happens to be anything Bond related, I'm sure we'll we'll tweet it out. Um, or you can you know listen to us at uh, SoundCloud.com/slash/Bonzilla007. You can also like and subscribe iTunes and SoundCloud. We will probably have an SDCC update after the con is over, uh, so you'll definitely want to listen in. And then uh, next time you hear from us on an official episode, it'll be our uh, it'll be a uh, movie proper as it'll we be dive into G-M-K. Godzilla. MK. Yeah. It'll be really. It, it's actually very Godzilla heavy for the next uh, half yeah. of this month, given with Comic Con and everything. So right. Um, but then we'll be returning to Sean Connery uh, in August. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there uh, will be now there. one. Uh, one question to end it. Will oh yeah, you said you want Bond girls with purpose. Yeah. But would you want a Bond girl with a porpoise? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I thought you said who's a porpoise. Yeah. <laughs> or who's a porpoise? <laughs> Bond having sex with a porpoise. They do that, you know. Like they do that. Dolphins do that. Have sex with Bond? Well, they they do. Well, let's just say you had this, an experience with no, a dolphin. Let's just say the just I've heard stories about dolphins that let's just say that the tables will be flipped in that Goldfinger situation. Let's just, let's just say that. Let's keep it at that. All right. Good good night, everybody. Bye bye. <laughs> or good morning. <laughs>